0: Good to see everybody. I hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. Uh, so, uh, before we get started, just a reminder, right? Uh, please uh, chat in. Um, you know, questions, comments, observations, anything like that. Uh, it's always uh, it's always good to uh, be able to share. And uh, a lot of the comments and insights that everyone's had along the way, as our during our previous sessions, I think has really helped everybody else. So, uh, please. Uh, please feel free to uh, send in your thoughts uh, and comments, even privately, if you'd like, that would be fine too. So so today uh, we're gonna continue talking about um, time. And uh, so this will be part two of the illusion of time, uh, uh, kind of subsection, sub series, right, of Mindful Monday. And we're gonna talk about time and your intentions. Right? and how your, your intentions actually can uh, shortcut or eclipse time. And uh, it's kind of an exciting topic uh, in a lot of ways, or one of it gets into the science of it. And uh, we'll spend a little bit of time on that. But first, let's kind of summarize what we've been talking about uh, last week. So there's two different types of time. I think this is really foundational uh, for uh, the latter part of today's session. So there's two types of time. There's linear events and then there are nonlinear events. And some of the examples we used last week of linear event is like a timeline. So we have this timeline of the United States, right? History of the United States. Uh, another linear event would be, we talked about putting together a bar, you know, like a, like a gas barbecue grill, right? You got to follow all the directions. That's a linear event. I have to do this before I can do this, right? Et cetera. Um, and then another example of non-linear, uh, excuse me, of linear is driving. I drove from uh, Keene to Bedford today. It's 50 something miles. It's going to take me this much time. That's, that's linear. Uh, so it's important to understand the difference between linear events and non-linear events. So now non-linear. So we talked about uh, intuition. Now, intuition, okay, uh, and it comes in a lot of different ways and you know people can look at it uh, uh, there are all sorts of different uh, ways that people understand it, but intuition is kind of like that knowing, okay? And it's, it's a knowing that doesn't pull you through a linear process. You just know, okay? You just know that I got to call your mother, or you know that this event is not turning out right, okay? You just know. that like, You don't need to go through all the steps in intuition to get to the answer the answer is already coming to you in advance of you going through all the steps. The question is, do you believe it? And are you listening to it? So that you can avoid doing all the steps, okay? That's kind of really what intuition is. Uh, Another type of uh, non-linear is uh, just uh, kind of daydreaming, right? You know, um, we daydream about, um, you might want a lake house or you daydream about, uh, you know traveling someplace right but but what you're doing when you're daydreaming okay when you're actually in that space you're actually going there okay so you'll say I want to go to Paris okay and you're vision and you're envisioning the Eiffel Tower well if you hold that view long enough okay and you hold it and you're consistent about it all right you will you will end up there somehow all right and that's those, that's a nonlinear event. OK, you've actually put yourself there. And if you hold on to it, OK, you hold on to that vision of it, you will eventually find yourself there. And then the last one, too, that I've got in here is an example of a nonlinear event is kind of uh, co-creating, right, or, or creating uh, things. So like uh, everything is created twice, right, once in your mind and once in reality. And that's, that's nonlinear, OK? You, you have a vision of something before you've actually gone through the steps to get it. Yeah, think about that for a second. So anybody who who ever has invented something has gone through. Doesn't matter what it is. Um, you know, I was at the gym the other morning and I saw the sham wow guy. Remember the sham wow guy? Remember him? Well, he, now now they have sham wow face masks, and I thought, and and I haven't seen the sham wow guy in a long time. And I'm like, well, okay, somebody somebody had a, somebody dreamed about the sham wow face mask. Okay. But before this guy showed up on TV in his infomercial, somebody had the dream of it. Okay, somebody—you know—somebody you know, somebody at Sham Wow World, if there's ever such a thing, right? That's where they—that—that's where that came from. Okay, so when we daydream or when we create, we're actually creating something in a nonlinear space. Okay, before we go through the linear steps to get there, right? And uh, so it's—it's uh, it's, um, kind of critical. Uh, to uh, get good at this is to understand when am I in a linear event and when am I in a non-linear event? Um, and we talked about, uh, and we just mentioned this, a Stephen Covey quote, everything's created twice, once in your mind, once in reality. That's how you pull time and events towards you. Now okay. we're gonna talk about some uh, some of the really fun stuff. Right. So we're gonna talk about quantum mechanics and the observer effect. Now I'm gonna preface this by saying, um, You know, I was kind of an average student and probably a below average student in math and science. So I will uh, not do much of this, I will not do much justice with this, Uh, but hopefully I'll be able to explain it. I've studied it myself quite a bit, uh, never actually having to explain it in kind of a condensed uh, version like the time we have today. So uh, what I would encourage you to do is if you're interested in this, and I would encourage you to be interested in it, okay? is to spend some time uh, studying it on your own and I can make some uh, recommendations for that. There are some, uh, there are some fun things to, uh, to uh, material to reference. So uh, we're gonna talk about quantum mechanics and the quantum effect. So uh, you have two different types of physics. You have uh, traditional like Newtonian physics and you have quantum physics, quantum mechanics. And uh, quantum mechanics, uh, quantum physics became popular around 1900. And, uh, and it had kind of the usual suspects involved in it, Einstein and, you know, and, and some of those people, although Einstein didn't like it very much. Um, and, uh, and, and it's different from Newtonian physics in that quantum mechanics or quantum physics, it's the science, it's the science of dealing with the behavior of matter and energy on the scale of atoms and some atomic particles. So what it gets into is uh, understanding how atoms work and how they move around and, and, and how they get uh, uh, you know, repositioned. And, and infinite, in, in physics, the observer effect is the disturbance of an observed system by the act of observation. So atoms, and subatomic particles can be influenced by by being observed. Either they're being observed by us, okay? Or maybe even a scientific instrument, okay? But that things um, uh, at a subatomic and atomic level, right, which is what we all are, okay, are influenced by observation. And one of the things that's kind of fascinating is that the, the art of looking at something changes it. An effect that holds true, this holds uh, true for people, animals, atoms, really everything. Um, And uh, to get a better understanding, we need to consider the observer effect. Observing things changes them. And some phenomena only exist when they observe. And remember when we were talking about how drugs are tested, they're always tested against the placebo, okay? And, and they do it in blind, double-blind, triple-blind surveys, uh, um, assessments, because because they they're testing it against when they test a drug. And we've talked about this a couple times now. I think it's really important to understand this. So when you take a medication, that medication has been tested against the placebo group. So you got a group of people that have been given basically sugar pills, and a group of people that have been given the real drug. And the question becomes on the real drug is how many people were affected on the real drug greater than, than, than the people who were given the placebo and their mind actually helped them get better, okay? Because they, they, they were able to organize themselves and organize their body, their atoms, right? Their cells and all that, their genes uh, to basically uh, uh, initiate the healing process as opposed to the drug initiating the healing process. And so in, phys- in physics and in, in the quantum world, the quantum world is really about the is about the observer and how when things are observed, they will act a certain way, right? Now you know we are made up of of the the universe. We're made up of atoms and um, particles and uh, genes and systems and biology, right, and all that. And and how we influence ourselves and how we look at ourselves really influences uh, the outcome. And uh, it's uh, it's kind of this last this fourth bullet on here. Um, I think it's interesting how it was phrased is that one of the most bizarre premises of quantum theory, uh, which has long fascinated, and I want you to focus on this, has long fascinated philosophers and physicists. Now, I can't think of two groups of people on the surface that would have the least amount of things to do with each other, philosophy and physics, okay? But but both are fascinated with the fact that actually the, the act of watching Okay, affects reality. The the act of observing. And and so let's take uh, some kind of everyday, common observation uh, experiences we've had to understand this better. So um, we've all been in a situation where we have felt someone staring at us. Who who's had that? Everybody, right? We've all had that. And you uh, turn your back, turn your head real quickly, and behind you is somebody staring at you, right? And it's been the same, the same for you. You could be staring at somebody, right? And, um, you know, for whatever reason you might have, and uh, they all of a sudden sense it, okay? And they turn and they look at you, right? Um, and, and so the, the, there are very common things that we can look at that uh help us kind of prove this out um and and so what's happened is that both philosophy religion spirituality uh and hard science are pretty fascinated by this and now it kind of has kind of permeated um the uh everyday world so to speak where it's becoming you know, it's moved out of the laboratory into society. That's why we're having this conversation today. These concepts have, have moved out of the laboratory um, and out of the uh, halls of academia, for instance, at a philosophical level, and now they really permeate, uh, really, you know, most of society. This is very easy information to have, and it's very easy to actually prove out. So, um, and you can think about other other times um, when you've had that, for instance, you've been thinking of something, okay? And um, all of a sudden you're talking to somebody somehow connected to whatever the event is, right? So I'm thinking about something at work. I talked to one of my coworkers and that person says, you know what, I had the exact same thought. That's not a coincidence. That is the organization of the observer effect. That's the, that's the organization of quantum information, all right? And it's very common for authors to have a title of a book in mind. And when they go to start the book, all of a sudden what they realize is that somebody else someplace else has actually done the book or has actually reserved the title, okay? Because again, once concepts kind of get thrown into uh, the quantum field, right? Everybody has access to them. And then if you're kind of on that frequency, you then kind of tap into it right and that's a little bit kind of like what the observer effect is is a little bit what quantum physics is, is about and uh, it's definitely worth spending a little bit of time on uh, be, because it really affects what we do every day and it also affects time we actually can get uh, to the end faster okay by understanding these things by because once we put our focus Okay, which is the observer effect. So we're focusing on something in our lives, right? Whatever it is we want, whether it's for our kids or for us or relationship or work, health, doesn't matter what it is. Once we put our focus on that, okay, we are actually observing. We're actually observing the process. And the more we put time and attention and focus, okay, on it, all right, even subconscious focus, okay, like it's in the back of my mind, I wanna do this thing. All right, then what happens is, all right, as uh, uh, we, we then are basically shaping the outcome. And that's what the observer effect is. It's basically you know, taking kind of the, the raw um, parts of nature, right, in the universe and forming them in a way. And that's what helps us uh, really uh, with our intentions by this help us get to time. They actually help us skip steps And uh, they actually can help us uh, really get to things faster. So uh, personal growth, right, has the exact same trajectory. So it takes no more effort to grow uh, a blade of grass as it does a sequoia, right? Maybe it takes a little longer, okay? But nature just knows how to do these things. And we're all part of nature. And so personal growth is the same way. It has really no speed limit attached to it. So if you want to say, well, in, now this is where we get into time and attention and, and our intentions, time and attention. So if we say, I want to go someplace, I want to be, um, I want to go to Paris in three years. Well, you'll go in three years. If I say, I want to go in six months, more likely you're going to go in six months. Now, if you're going to say, I'm going to go next week, that might be a little bit of a stretch, okay? But so, what happens is is that when we put our focus on things, okay, uh, the time frame in which we we associate with it, okay, um, is really kind of a construct. Now, sometimes we aren't ready, okay. So, you know, we might want a change of circumstance, and um, it might not be that uh, that we we might need more time because we're mentally not ready, or maybe we're we're not, you know, mentally and physically ready. All right. And and so that part is true. Um, however, you really can do things almost really as fast as you want. And, you know, it's I always think it's interesting when you when we start a project or a process, we look at it, and I think everybody does that. We're like, oh, this is gonna take forever, it's gonna to take too long, it's gonna take long enough. Really may I as well feel like doing it. But once you've started it, okay, you finished it. And then it's as if you've always been done. It's like you've always been been in that space, okay? And so just remember your personal growth has no speed limits attached to it, only the limits that reasonably you put on it, okay? So if you say it's gonna take me five years to lose 75 pounds, it will take you five years to lose 75 pounds, okay? Now, losing 75 pounds in six months, you know, there's probably some health components to that. But but generally speaking, right, uh, be careful about what type of time frame you put on, because that's the time frame in which you're going to get results. And that's the quantum, that's the quantum aspect of it. So, how to pull time and your intentions to you? Okay, this is different than chasing it. It's how do we pull this towards us? All right. So you hold a constant vigil of your intention or intentions. Right. This isn't singular uh, for the outcomes you desire regarding what you seek. So, um, you know, in the back of your mind. Uh, you're, you're, you, you've got it in your uh, subconscious that I want to do this thing, whatever it is, right? I want to give up coffee or whatever the case may be. And you keep that there. And the longer you keep it there and the longer you can hold the visual of what it is, okay? As long as you can hold the visual, like uh, going to the gym, okay? Or eating healthy, or, or going to Paris or whatever the case may be. The longer you hold that visual and you hold it consistently, okay? It could be multiple outcomes, all right? Then, then that will aid you in getting there. Uh, leave yourself visual reminders. So visual reminders are helpful because they're helpful to bring you back to your visualization, back to your thought, your core belief, your core thought about how you wanna get someplace. So a visual reminder, uh, like a really common one, is uh, storyboarding. I I personally don't have any experience with it, although I know people who do, and I've certainly read enough about it where it has very positive effects, uh, but everybody's different. Uh, So storyboarding, uh, uh, you can, um, you know, do a storyboard of what kind of you, a collage, right, of what what changes you want to have happen. And so you're making um, you're either cutting out pictures or, or drawing, or whatever the case may be, about what you want life to look like, right? It could be your entire life, it could be aspects of your life, doesn't really matter what it is. But that storyboard allows you to maintain the visual. Um, you know, certainly pictures, uh, messages, uh, screensavers, you know, that's one of the things. Um, if I, I don't know if you guys can see this. You probably can't see this on mine or not. But I, I keep, I can't show it to you, but I keep um, the yin-yang as my screensaver on on my phone and on my computer. And one of the reasons why I do that is it reminds me of the duality of things, okay? Strengths are weaknesses, weaknesses are strengths, and, um, and duality, right? And that's always been kind of a key thing for me to understand. Um, but leave yourself reminders, okay? Um, there's always these pictures of people leaving sticky notes all over the place, I don't know if i would advocate for that it seems like it's after a while we get we come kind of like clutter but whatever works for you and it might not be um yeah you might have to experiment a little bit so leave yourself visual reminders uh replace all thoughts that do not match your intention with ones that do this is super critical we've talked about this before uh you know positive energy is 10 times stronger than negative energy so if you have a if you have a negative thought you have to you have to say that you have to remove that thought and put in the thought that reinforces uh, what you want. How you're pulling your intentions towards you. Okay, every negative thought you have that's in contradiction to the direction you want to go in pushes time away. It doesn't pull time towards you. Okay, if you have enough negative thoughts, it pushes things further away. Okay, um, and everything right is is uh, is somewhat incremental. So. the the more positive your thoughts are, the more you replace and discard the negative ones, you change your thinking, you're changing your programming, Okay, then the more you're pulling things to you. Um, Here's a tough one, and it's tough, there's no two ways about it, is that you have to be relentless about not allowing anyone or anything that doesn't match your intention or outcome near you. Super tough. Now, that doesn't mean you take a machete and you cut all Things that don't match and people out of your lives but you you have to be judicious about how you allow those influences on you and and we see this a lot right somebody wants to go someplace that's outside of their peer group okay uh you might be the first person in your peer group or your your peer group could be family it doesn't really matter what it is right but you could be the first person that wants to go do this thing right so you're breaking the orbit from your from your peer group and what's the peer group want to do they want to bring you back okay they want to bring you back not because they're selfish or anything like that but because they're concerned about how what you're doing is going to impact them right they're really not all that concerned about you but they're really more concerned about how that how that's going to impact um, themselves so it's hard um and there's um uh, kind, thoughtful, mindful ways to kind of create a little bit of separation between you and the, the, the things and the people that don't support your intentions. Uh, but you have to be mindful of it, and you have to reduce the dosing that you're getting of information that's just not helpful uh, to your journey. Okay? Um, and then uh, I think another key piece to it is uh, you know, living like you're already there. Um, so, uh, you know, and living like you're already there is, um, it, it, it seems counterintuitive because we've all been taught to, uh, you know, ask for things, uh, when we are taught to pray, for instance, I was brought up Roman Catholic. Uh, when we're taught to pray, we prayed for something, which meant, which really means it doesn't exist. And and I'm, what I'm praying for is some outside divine source to bring it to me, as opposed to feeling like I already have it because I am a divine source myself. All of us are, right? And and because I am and I already have all the opportunities are already here. I just have to I just have to you know get in the right bandwidth or frequency of it. Okay, and um, you know that that's a that's a different t- kind of topic and a different um, discipline. You know, maybe we can spend some time on that because that really is um, very counter to how most religions um, have taught us. And nothing, no knock on religion; it's just how it's been formulated. Um, and but when you come from it already being done, okay you are then you are then pulling your your intentions are now fully aligned and the more your intentions are fully aligned the more they'll meet you in the space that you're in so you're again you're pulling them towards you and um that that that's that's not an easy one um and it's something that um you know no matter how mindful you are around it you're always going to have to work at it you know come from that place as if it's already existed you know like you can't you can't say, for instance, that I'm gonna be grateful once I get this, whatever this is. It's, I'm grateful now. I'm grateful for what I have, okay? Anything else or above that, right? It's kind of a benefit. But because I'm grateful the way I am now, I'm gonna be attracting uh, gratitude. So, um, and I'm gonna be attracting more things that are kind of in that bandwidth of gratitude. And uh, and it's the same thing with your intentions. The more you're living from where you want to be, okay, as opposed to waiting for some outside event or series of events to get you there, live as if you're already there, right? And now what you're doing is you're collapsing time to your present. So uh, I think it's a really cool process. Um, You know, not much, you know, we can't really do justice to it in a, you know, 25 minutes or so. but it's uh, it's super it's super cool and um, uh, and there's some great uh, uh, authors too um, that um, uh, I'll, I'll recommend. one of them is Greg Braden. I don't know if you're familiar with Greg Braden, but he wrote this book oh it must have in the late 90s now um, or early 2000s, called The Divine Matrix and and um, And he's a kind of an interesting guy because he's a uh, geologist, uh, computer scientist, you know, he kind of of studies cycles and systems, Uh, but he's got a really good way of explaining things. And um, I've always enjoyed his work. So let's just look at some of our comments here real quick. Yeah, Melissa writes uh, her intentions down every day. Yeah, that's great. That's a great practice, you know. Um, you know, I kind of journal on a daily basis, anyways. But they talk about grat, uh, 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 you know, gratitude journals and things like that, I and mean, all those types of things. Anything that brings you closer to where you want to be, okay? And anything that helps you feel that way. Um, and see, Kelly, um, yeah, deck deck of intention and, and motivational cards on my desk. Yeah, the I am, uh, the I am process is uh, really cool. You know, I I. I read this book from joel olstein and when i say i read I, I do audio um but i always say i read the book uh, uh called i am and although you know um he's a minister he's got one of the largest i think ministries in the country and um so everything comes from a, from a relig- religious perspective but i really enjoyed the book you know and he talked about you know, um, he talked about God. And, and so depending what your beliefs are, you know, when I was listening to it, every time he said God, I said universe. And, and it's just so amazing how fluid things are and how they come together. So the I am movement um, is, and the I am thought process is very powerful. Thank you for sharing that, Kelly. And uh, try that. That's a, that's a really good book, uh, I am by Joel Osteen. Catherine, yeah, talking about uh, blocking uh, self-negative talk. Um, Yep, that's all true. Yeah, so really good, uh, really good, good feedback here, and good, uh, good comments. And it's great to be able to share. There's 50 of us on this call this morning, so every comment that you make is positively impacting 50, you know, 49 other people. So think about that, right? When we're on these, and how we share with each other. So I hope this was um, helpful. It's a really super fun topic. Um, and um, I'll come up with a couple more authors for you too. But uh, Greg Braden, uh, Divine Matrix, and, uh, and then uh, Joel Osteen's book, I Am. I think those give you kind of two different perspectives on them, but they kind of lead you to the same place. So have an amazing week. Talk to everybody soon.